the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back to Signpost. Thank you for joining us today. We've been talking in the first half hour about the miraculous season that my dad, my co-host and dad, Pastor Boylan, experienced at Byfield Parish Church in um, Byfield, Massachusetts when I was a kid and now Georgetown, Massachusetts when they moved into a new church. And some of these stories are the groundwork to that, that transition into a new building and into a new into a new parish and I do want to take a moment to just remind people to come visit us at pastorboylan.com and uh, talk and write to us. Tell us about a miraculous season that you might have experienced in your life, a time when God really showed himself in a way that undergirded your faith for the struggles that are ahead, because we all go through struggles. And that's part of what our, our show is about. Part of our mission is to be as transparent as possible with our with our faith and with our walk So people know and can see that other people go through struggles, too, and that they're not alone. And one of these, you know, and some of what we've been talking about in these stories, these aren't these aren't necessarily the struggle moments. These are sort of the moments where that we've talked about in this particular episode um, are the miraculous moments where God has shown his hand in a manifest way, in a real way. um, And. He does that, I believe, and I and you can confirm for me, Dad, in your study and your experience over these years, you have far more than I have, that he does that to remind us when we it is hard that he's there, to have shown it to show himself in real ways so that we can have faith when we need it most. And I want to really go back into that story, but but one thing I want to touch on because I think it's an important piece of the puzzle as we look at what signpost is and we look at you know and and for me things that are really fascinating to me as uh as a as a christian and as somebody who um you know watched your ministry from an intimate level as a son but was on the outskirts because i wasn't one of the men in the church or the women in the church who were uh, who the adults and were participatory and, and one of the things that you talked about in that first half hour um about trying to convey faith and to you know to or, or i don't know if they were deacons or, or trustees or whomever deal with the money and things like that and the mechanics of the way the church was working in those days and you talked about you know that you wanted you know to help them see faith and i was thinking about the people who are in charge of money would normally be banker and you were saying how we, you didn't want to treat the church like a bank you know as a banker would and of course the person who's going to step up into those kind of roles and the people that you're going to talk to are going to be the bankers because I didn't and naturally if you're looking for a volunteer those are going to be step up like if somebody is asking when I worked for um, a, a, a ministry and a mission I didn't step up when people wanted money advice because I have none to give. But if, if they needed help, you know, creative help or, or somebody to write some or some copy for the website or or to write a letter, you know, to to, um, to supporters or to tell the story of, you know, uh, some young uh, person who who had their life transformed by through the, through that mission. Um, 
I would be the first one they would go to. And how do you, you know, how do you tell that story? And, and I would, and I would spend time doing that. So I'm, I'm imagine. So I had a very clear, and I don't have a very clear question, except that I, I wanted to pause for a moment and just think about and, 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 and talk, just and talk about what it was like to be with those guys who I can imagine were either bankers or some CEO or some financial advisor who would be like, you know, well, we have, you know, this much in giving and we need to like, you know, allocate it in this way and that and save it. So there's some accrued interest, you know, perhaps on, 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 on things that we don't need to spend immediately on expenditures and capital expenses versus, you know, monitor daily expenses and all those, all those, um, those things that are discussed in, in situations like that. And, and you can tell that I'm not a money person just by the way I articulated all that. But what fascinates me is to stand in those moments and to talk to those people and tell them this is what their entire work life certainly is built on. But I imagine that they had a predisposition to that. So some aspect of their mindset and life was built around those ideas. And to tell them, hey, hey, let's have faith in, in that God will give it to us the next time we need it. And how do we use it now to glorify him because he gave it to us to use? And what were those moments like to sort of, you know, and, 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 and more than just what were those moments like for you, but, but for the, for the men, because I've heard stories over now that I am an adult of people saying like, you know, you're, you know, you as their, as their pastor, showed them things that they never would have otherwise had experienced. And I'm not going to say anybody's name, of course, but I, but I remember dramatically, you know, them, you know, wanting to help out with something that we were doing and, and him taking a moment and stepping aside and being like, I just want you to know, you know, that I had never thought these ways until, you know, I experienced it and I witnessed in your dad's faith, you know, things that passed on to me. And, you know, and so you were part of those and being a part and being in those early experiences. I'm just I'm fascinated by how ministries grow and and your ministry in particular. Um, well, you hit the nail right straight on the head, because that's precisely what happens to churches. The the uh, the temptation in our in our life period as Christians, too, and as churches is to fall back on what is safe and what is seeable. It's not a word, but you know we want we want to walk by sight. We don't want to walk by faith uh, when things are serious. I mean, if things are just uh, oh, I don't know how to express this myself. But when things don't really count for much, and it's kind of a challenge and maybe even fun to walk by faith. But when the chips are down, and when you may have to close the doors of a church, or you may have to sell a property, uh, mm-hmm. that's a different story. And then to walk by faith when it looks like it's doomsday. And you're telling them, no, it's, it's the beginning of a whole new world, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's right. Well, let me go back to that story in this way, just to set it up again, not to tell it again, but, uh, we were, we were with a couple at the, uh, seminary level, and we were doing a, a youth ministry in the North Shore of Boston, and, and Boston, some of the towns, Peabody, Danvers, uh, Beverly, Ipswich, and, uh, uh, and one of the couples had children, just one of them, and they were really strapped for money and were not going to be able to provide Christmas gifts. And my wife uh, found that out from the wife, the mother, and wanted us to do it. And I agreed on the proviso that they didn't come from us. That's the gist of the story. So what happened was uh, we we 
uh, took the list that the kids wanted. My wife bought the list. And then at the church where I was serving in my practical work, they invited me up to give me uh, a gift uh, of money at Christmas time. And when it, tr- it turned out to be the exact amount of money we spent on the gifts. Mm. And it was wonderful. And that's as much as you could make of it. But we discovered there was more than met the eye. And so now we were called at uh, in January 1969 to pastor the Byfield Parish Church. And the Byfield Parish Church was struggling. Uh, they were borrowing money in the summer to get through the year, and then they were trying to pay it back in the winter. They were not meeting the uh, budget uh, week by week. And when things would go really down low, they would have to rob Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. And the one budget they always took from and very rarely had any money left to do anything with it was the missions budget. Mm-hmm. That was the budget we didn't owe. We didn't have to pay. We had to pay the oil man. We had to pay uh, bills. You had to pay the pastor. Mm-hmm. But you didn't have to send the money to missions. That was voluntary. So mm-hmm. that missions money hardly ever got sent because there was never enough money to go the full length of the budget or to pay Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So now that was, so we went through the summer of 69 and it was that summer when we actually had only one person show up to worship. And by the way, not to be too funny, but uh, do you flip a coin to who takes up the collection when you only have one parishioner par- <laughs> <laughs> par- par- of the pastor and the organist? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But then uh, it's the next annual meeting. Now, we are congregationalists. That means the congregation decides everything, ultimately. Mm-hmm. You have committees. You have people in charge in the sense that they are responsible to get the properties up, maybe the trustees, or to oversee the worship, and they're the deacons, uh, or the music committee looks at the music. But ultimately, decisions, especially money decisions, are made by the whole congregation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put out a, an agenda. We put out a budget. We talk about it, and eventually we vote on it. And so it's now January, third Friday in January of 1970. It was uh, a regular stated meeting of the church, the annual meeting of the church, and we got to the budget. Mm. And the budget had not been met the year before, and now another budget proposal was put forward, and they're trying to find a way to have some kind of a fundraiser to be sure that they didn't fall short if they could possibly help it in this budget. Mm. And they had had fairs, and they had had auctions and done different things to try to buttress or to you know, to add to the budget. Mm. But people were tired. They were tired. And you could feel it around the room. And this discussion went around the room. And nobody seemed to want to do anything. They were, they were just exhausted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, in fact, one of the ladies stood up and thought she had the answer. And she said, oh, let's have a fearless fair. What's a fearless fair? A fearless fair is where you don't do anything. Everybody <laughs> just gives what they would have given <laughs> if there was a fair. <laughs> and nobody was even had enough energy to collect the money. <laughs> it was really a low ebb in the life of the church. And I've been a pastor now for one year. And not really for one year because I was still in school. So they didn't really have me start until uh, May of 1969. So I've really been a pastor for about eight months. Mm-hmm. And uh, so after this went about the third time around the room, the moderator of the meeting uh, said, perhaps we should hear from our pastor. <laughs> so I stood up and said, I've I've been listening to the conversation, and it's, this is very serious. It's certainly serious to me, and money counts with God. Uh, he tells us what to do and not to do with our money, so he's interested. I just, you know, I can't remember everything I said, but it was generally, I didn't want to make light of it, like it didn't matter. That's not right. true. But I said, I'll make a recommendation. 
Mm-hmm. My recommendation is for the next year, one year, that's all I said. I didn't say forever. I just said for, for one year, let's agree at this meeting that we will not mention money again. Mm. That all we will do is seek to discern God's mind as to what's the mission he's called us to do. And then he says he'll provide for us to do what he wants us to do. Mm. And if he doesn't, then we won't tell other people to trust him either. Mm. Well, I, I say this as a exaggeration, but after the finance committee got done rolling around the floor laughing and got back in their seats, uh-huh. <laughs> but they actually did nudge one another and smile. Who have we hired? <laughs> you know, not consider money. Uh-huh. And, you know, how how do you think you're going to? What do you think we're going to do? You know, I could see, I could read their minds. Yep. You know, this man is naive. But what were they going to do? Nobody's going to do anything, <laughs> and it wasn't. Right. There weren't many options, and so they voted to do nothing. Right, money wise. Yep. They and voted not to have a fairless fair. No fair, no nothing. <laughs> And we met the budget that year. The budget came in. And the budget came in regularly for the next uh, four years, I'd say. 1975 was the first year we missed the budget. Mm. And there were reasons. uh, And uh, we missed it by $3,000. And now our budget's up around 30. When I came, it was $16,000 a year. Mm. And now it's up around 30. And we missed it by $3,000. And, uh, and, there were people there who were saying, oh, well, he's had a, meaning me, had a string of good luck, but his, <laughs> luck, his luck's run out. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, again, we, I urge the church to say, no, we, we made a, we, we're on a principle. Let's pass the budget that we're proposing. Uh, even though there's a shortfall the year before, uh, we can't, we don't know why, and maybe we're not supposed to, but let's trust the Lord. He's been mm. good for four years, and I think he's good to his word the next year, too. Well, they really, in these big meetings, or at least a full church meeting, there's not a lot of chance to change a lot, because you'd be there for a month of Sundays trying to change the work that's been right. done to present whatever it is, whether it's music or budget or anything. Yeah. So uh, we had a long talk. I won't say that. But we finally passed the budget. We have already missed the budget the year before by $3,000. Now, that mm-hmm. was Friday night. Monday morning, I went and got the mail. There was no secretary. I was doing everything in those days. And uh, there was a letter in there from a law office down in Brockton. I opened the letter, and and... Here in the letter was a check for $3,000. And I had a letter, and Mrs. Whoever, uh, nobody that we knew or that we thought knew us, had left her youngest son at Governor Dummer Academy. Mm. And and Byfield is in the 30s, and, and we're talking in 1969-70, yep. 40 years before. <clears throat> Uh, you could kind of tell by the letter that this woman didn't know whether she had left her youngest in Indian country and he might not survive up here. <laughs> because for somebody down in the Boston area, uh, in those days, Byfield looked like it, it had just been found by the Puritans. Uh, it was pretty remote. Yep. And apparently in her feelings and her struggle with leaving her young son to these these uh, backwoodsmen out here in Byfield, uh, she drove by the Byfield Parish Church. Mm. And on an impulse, she wrote the Byfield Parish Church into her will for $3,000. Never darkened the door of our church that we know of, never did more than drive by it after that experience. 
And her will, she died, and her will was probated and distributed on the weekend of our shortfall. Yeah, I know. That's an incredible story. Well, it certainly said to us, I guess the Lord is faithful. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The, 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 so uh, I've, I've shot down coincidence over and over, but it can't be a coincidence. Uh, and, yeah, not when it's so yeah. specific. And... Uh, in 1984, we voted to build a new meeting house because we couldn't handle the numbers. Uh, in 1988, we opened the meeting house. We paid $2 million. We paid off that. Uh, we First of all, 800000 was given up front. Mm. Uh, and then we had to borrow some, but we paid it back six years in advance. Mm. Uh, and we never had... And this is important, Andrew. We never had any fundraising as such. Mm. But we expect we urge people in the church to give as as God led them to give. Mm. Uh, you ask the Lord and give what He tells you to give. We may know we had no financial plan. We had no scheme. Uh, we simply put it before the church body to pray and give and think about the ministries and think about the mission. And uh, when I stepped down uh, not long ago from the senior pastor position, uh, our budgets had run over half a million dollars for the operating budget for 20 years. Mm. And our missions budget was always separate. We could not tap that mission budget to buy oil. That was missionaries, and that's where it went, no matter what happened to us as a church. And that budget alone would uh, often rise up to $100,000. And we did not we did not miss a payment on the building, uh, the money that we had to borrow. Uh, it's just it was just a miraculous right. thirty fifty years. Uh, it, it was and uh, but and can I can I add to that? Have I got time? Cause, oh yes. Oh, as time went on, God began to show me some of the really important reasons for him to do all of this among us. He wanted to make himself known uh, to us as well as to the world. I mean, we were in the business, as all churches are, making Christ known. We're lifting Mm. him up. We're holding him forth as the Savior of the world. We are telling the world. We have discovered that it's true. He is God the Son. He isn't just one of us. He became one of us. He, he, he came to bear our sins in his body on the tree. He, he did this as an act of compassion, of mercy, and, and, and to glorify his Father mm-hmm. by obeying him no matter what it cost him, all of that. Sure, we're in, that's what we're about as a church. We're to bring the, forth the gospel of God uh, by word and deed. Mm. Uh, but when you when you look at this matter of provision, it's to be noted that this is so foundational. And and I'm saying this. I maybe some other pastors listening to me or church leaders are listening to us. Yes. Uh, be, and and I urge you to think about this. Uh, I don't know where your finances are. I don't know how you deal with finances, and uh, uh, you know all of that. But let me let me encourage you to think about this. The gospel of God began in Eden. There's no doubt about it. The uh, seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. That was a promise. Mm -hmm. God's kept that promise. But he's narrowed it down as time goes on. It narrowed down to the family of Noah, who survived a flood. It narrowed down to one man eventually. His name was Abraham. He lived in Ur of the Chaldees. Uh, It was 4,000 years ago to us, 2,000 years before Jesus was born, at and he promised to bless the whole world to Abraham. He promised that Abraham would be his instrument on earth to bless every family on earth. It's in chapter 12 of Genesis. 
but Abraham understood that that would be his family line, not him individually, but his family line would spread out and develop, and they would be a blessing to the people of the earth. And uh, you can't have a family line developed till you have a child. You've got to mm-hmm. start somewhere. And they had no child. And God gave him the promise, but he didn't give him the child. Mm-hmm. And if you know your Bible, you know that uh, it went 25 years, not 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 a couple of months. Uh, for 25 years, Abraham's waiting for the boy, for the child. And I'm sure he was waiting for a son. And finally, the son the son is born. And they name him Isaac because particularly Sarah, the wife, thought this was so ridiculous. She laughed at the idea that when she finally gets her 90, she's going to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when she did have the baby, they named him Laughter because yep. Sarah had laughed about the whole thing. And that's what Isaac means. So Isaac now grows up, and it's time for him to become an adult, uh, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jewish people today, I believe, uh, have a bar mitzvah and become a son of the law. Uh, at about the age of 12 or 13. Right. Yeah. And so that was, so Abraham has a boy that's reached the age of maturity in a sense. And God says to Abraham, okay, I want him back. What? I want him back. Take him, take him where I show you. I, I want you to, to slay him and send him up to me in smoke. I want him to be a burnt offering. This is in Genesis chapter 22. Well, I don't know what's going through Abraham's mind, but I know what would have gone through my mind. This is insane. I mean, I've waited 25 years for the promised son, mm-hmm. and now he's come to the point where he can really step out and begin to, you know, function as a, an adult, mm-hmm. or at least the son of the law. And you want me to kill him? Mm. This doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sure Abraham must have had a wrestling match in his mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, can you imagine? So, but nope. Abraham believed God, and he was going to act in faith, and he, he believed. And we didn't know this from Genesis. We know it from Paul's writing in chapter 4 of Romans, that Abraham believed he'd get the child back. That he would kill him, and God would raise him from the dead. Mm. That was what Abraham believed was going to happen. And so he takes his son to the place God appointed. God said, don't, don't. Get away from home. Uh, you you follow me. I'm going to take you to the mountain where I want you to offer him up to me. And he takes him to Mount Moriah, takes him to the to the region of Moriah, and on the on the mountaintop he builds an altar, which by the way the boy carried up there for him on his back the wood. Mm. He puts the boy down, straps him to the altar, raises the knife, and about to take his son's life, and he stopped. And God says, "Nope, don't do it." I, that's far enough. I wanted to test your faith. You you prove faithful. Take the boy off. I'm giving him back to you. Mm. I'm giving him back to you. So he spared the boy's life on Mount Moriah. But he did uh, ask, God demanded a sacrifice, and there was a ram caught in the bushes. Mm-hmm. And he takes, Abraham takes the ram, and he puts him in the place of Isaac. And he kills the lamb instead of his son. And he offers him to God, and God's pleased. He he accepts the lamb. Abraham gives names to most places that have significance, mm. so they'd be remembered. And he called this mountain the Mount of My Provision, mm. because God provided that ram in the place of His Son. Right. Now it's a thousand years later. Israel's come out of Egypt after they've been there for 400 years as slaves. They're in the promised land. They've been chastised by being exiled for 70 years to Babylon, and time's gone on. And now they are uh, uh, they are 
you know, uh, well, no, in fact, I'm ahead of my story. No, this is the year 1000, so they haven't even been exiled yet. And David's been the great king, and he extends Israel's borders to their widest point. And he has a son who's fabulous. The wisdom of Solomon is legendary. And, mm. and God comes to Solomon and says, uh, I wouldn't let Abraham, I wouldn't let David build my temple because he was a man of blood. But I'm, you're going to build a temple because you're a man full of wisdom. Mm. And uh, I want you to build it on Mount Moriah. Right. He builds a temple where God plans to live. I mean, that's a symbol of a temple. It's God's dwelling place. Right. I'm gonna. You build it on that mountain with Abraham, where I spared Abraham's son. Yep. The mount of my provision. Right. And do you know who died there eventually? And there was no lamb substitute for him. Jesus. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus died at the place where God spared Abraham's son. He was his provision. I am persuaded that all of our churches in this country, and it was true of the one I served, if we really trust the provision of God, we glorify him. Absolutely. And and he would be seen for who he really is. Absolutely. Well, that's an amazing, that's a powerful way to end this week's episode. Um, so, wow, uh, that was amazing. But I want to I want to take a moment and thank everybody for uh, for joining us today on Signpost and uh, on behalf of my dad and myself. And I want to welcome you to come to pastorboylan.com to find out more about what we're what's happening with us. And uh, for anybody who's looking for something to do next weekend on a week from this episode on Saturday, the 23rd, you can come. Join me at uh, Barnes & Nobles in Millbury, Massachusetts. I'll be hosting a young adult writing panel uh, with several young adult writers from the area. It'll be a whole day of games and giveaways at Barnes & Nobles to celebrate Teen Reading Week. So if you have any young people in your household who are looking for something to do on a Saturday afternoon in the fall, come on by. But thank you again for joining us on Signposts. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.